0: A quick note about this week's episode of Prefer Not To. We had some pretty serious technical difficulties, so the sound quality is not what we'd like, and it's not edited as aggressively as we usually do, but we hope you enjoy it anyway. Okay. Welcome to Prefer Not To, weekly sometime cocktail hour.
1: Always cocktail hour.
0: With your hosts, Josh and Kate. As always, I'm not Kate.
1: And I'm not Josh.
0: This is episode 34, by the way, of the uh,
1: 34. show.
0: 34. 34. Kate and I, we drink a cocktail. Uh, a mixed drink of some kind. <laughs> discuss its history.
1: That is the definition of a cocktail,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. And then we watch a movie and talk about things we saw in magazines and maybe give you a recommendation. Maybe not. Send you on your way. on in less than an hour. Or just about an hour. Who knows? How's julep. things going, Kate? I'm good. What are we drinking this week?
1: We's having mint juleps.
0: And why is that?
1: Because the Derby is this Saturday Kentucky Derby.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is, the julep is the traditional beverage of the
0: Kentucky Of the derby. Kentucky derby. I just, yeah. All right. Tell us a little bit about the Kentucky Derby. No, tell us a little bit about the mint julep.
1: Okay, so the mint julep has a long and storied history throughout the American South, because if you were not aware, dear podcast listeners, bourbon is the official cocktail of the, or not cocktail, liquor of the United States, right?
0: It is indeed America's official liquor.
1: Yeah. Um, so a mint julep is, and there's again, like every cocktail, I feel like I say this every week, there's a bunch of different ways you can make it, especially with the julep, everyone has their own opinions, but um, there's, there are, um, The ingredients are four to five mint sprigs, two sugar cubes or a half ounce of simple syrup, whichever you would prefer, two and a half ounces of bourbon whiskey, and a mint sprig to garnish. You combine the mint sprigs and the sugar in the bottom of a glass, which is traditionally a silver julep cup named because it is a cup that people drink juleps out of. A silver cup, and then you muddle it well. Add the bourbon, filled with crushed ice, and stir until the glass becomes frosty.
0: We got some work out of our muddler. This, it takes work muddling leaves.
1: Yeah, I, if, if I had one critique of, at myself, I would say that it's not very minty-flavored, so.
0: I think it's it's plenty minty. Plenty minty.
1: Plenty minty. So Is that a flavor of gum?
0: It could be. I
1: feel like it should be, if it isn't.
0: Or, like, a... 90s female rapper, MC yep. Plenty Minty.
1: Plenty Minty.
0: So let me ask you this. Yes. What is, outside of the mint julep, what is a julep per se? And how does that play into the history of the drink?
1: Alrighty. So widely speaking, um, Josh, a julep is a um, part of a family of smashes, which means that you usually, well, okay, let me start here. Sorry. The word julep derives from the Arabic "julab," mm-hmm. which means rosewater, which was seen as a medicinal um Wait. beverage.
0: Okay. So the Arabs
1: mm-hmm. had a word. Mm-hmm.
0: Julab.
1: Yeah, J U L A B.
0: That seems like it might be problematic.
1: <laughs> Why?
0: Cuz the word is Julab.
1: Ju- oh. <laughs> See when I was doing research I read it as Gulag the first time. That's not
0: that's not much better no, when you're talking Okay, so uh, it's a bastardization of an Arab word that may or may not be deeply anti-Semitic.
1: I don't know, no, I don't know. I'd have to look at the roots and what they mean. Ask Gary Oldman. Okay, I will. Um, so as a type of drink, juleps usually refer to something medicinal, like uh, a a liquid of some kind that um, dispenses medicine and makes it more palpable.
0: Let me ask you this, and you probably don't know this for this week, but in future... Uh, episodes. I'm interested in the history of this bullshit argument that created cocktails as a form of medicine. Because I think every week we hear, oh, it was a digestive aid, or, oh, it was meant to treat headaches, not, oh, it was a way to make your really bad liquor taste good by putting a bunch of sugar and juice in it.
1: Yeah, well, the mint is supposed to be, um, mint has long yeah. apparently been associated well, with and digestive health. Well, people used
0: to health. chew on mint leaves, yeah. you know, uh. I don't know if that does any good. but
1: Well, that's where the mint comes mm-hmm. into the, the
0: julep. Let me, by the way, give our standard disclaimers. First of all, neither Kate nor I is a cocktail expert. We'll probably murder your favorite drink, which if it's the mint julep, you're probably a wealthy Kentucky horse breeder. And
1: you <laughs> Thank hire, you for listening.
0: Hire any number of goons to come and break our legs. But please don't, because we're just trying to enjoy your drink. Uh, let us know, though, if we treat your drink ill. Secondly, alcoholism is a serious disease like scrofula or pellagra. You don't need to have a drink in order to enjoy our show. In fact, it probably will not help.
1: What's scrofula?
0: Scrofula is a uh, tubercular infection of the lymph nodes of the neck and uh, armpits.
1: Like bubo's?
0: It would, it's sort of. It was, uh, it's a version of tuberculosis. It was also called the royal disease in that it was believed for some time that the monarchs of Britain could cure it Via the laying on of hands,
1: is it like? Do you get like swelling in that area, or is I think, it so, I think like it's a...
0: painful. I think it's a painful lymph node. You know how it's ordinarily tuberculosis pre- presents as an infection of the lungs. Right. I think this is if tuberculosis presents as a lymph system. So there's system no infection.
1: there's no coughing up of blood.
0: I honestly don't know, but I believe it was something that most people recovered from because oh. I think. If I were a king, I would want to pick a disease as my, like, hey, I can cure this that I had, like, a high rate of success with. You know, yeah. like, I can cure, you know, stage fright. <laughs> I can cure gingivitis with delaying, although that would involve, like, sticking my finger into people's mouths. And you would
1: have to follow them home and make sure that they brush their teeth.
0: Well, no. With not Listerine,
1: even, specifically. Right, well, no,
0: not. Uh, but, yeah, I, I also believe, and this is all pulled out of my... Uh, History of Britain classes in in college I believe the last monarch To assert that they had The power of the laying on of hands To cure scrobula was Queen Anne Oh wow Brit- Britain's bacheloress queen
1: Do you know um, Who was the first king to
0: I, I, th- I believe it went back to the Middle Ages. Yeah. So I, I think it went back to, like, one of the Henrys uh, yeah. back in, you know, Henry I or Henry second, like, back to the Middle Ages. But I, I also don't know if it was just exclusively a Britain thing, but I believe it was. Anyhow, it was regarded as a royal disease. So, scrofula, serious. pellagra also serious, which killed yep. my great-grandmother. That's a niacin deficiency.
1: Yeah, and you have to, is it you have to eat beans? Or you, you get it from eating corn and you need to diversify your diet? I don't know, you need diet? niacin.
0: which I think everybody gets from like enriched flour and stuff now, but back in like the 20s, when my great-grandmother died, uh, you did not. So like things like iodized salt and enriched flour have gotten rid of things like thyroid disease and scurvy and pellagra and all those things. Scurvy
1: is one of those diseases that can actually legitimately be staved off with a cocktail.
0: Right, and I suppose, actually, you know, uh, given that Bourbon is made largely from corn mash. I wonder if we might be fighting pellagra
1: right now.
0: <laughs> I wonder how much niacin there is in bourbon. We should
1: look, I'm sure we should there's totally some, we should look, look that up. up.
0: Anyhow, so the julep,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the julab, horribly it, racist Arab <laughs> word, julab, is a medicinal cocktail of some
1: kind. Well, that's how it started. Mm-hmm. So, widely speaking, the julep belongs to a drink family of smashes, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. also includes like the mojito.
0: It includes the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Dago pommel. Oh,
1: no. And it involves fresh ingredients like mint. Ta-da. Cocktail Bing. people are
0: horrible. They're racists. <laughs> I am condemning these words. I am not, I didn't make them up.
1: It means rose water.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, sure. we could, all right. can
0: paper it over with all your etymologies you want. We I think we all know where it's coming from. <laughs>
1: Um, so sad. Their conflict just keeps going. It
0: really is. You know, why can't we just learn to love, man?
1: Well, maybe if we all drink a bunch of juleps, we'll be very happy. I think so. Or because it's bourbon, maybe we'll get angry and want to punch them. I don't know. All right. Sorry. So, like the mojito, which involves um, fresh ingredients like mint being muddled or crushed to enhance the flavor of the liquid, the liquid... (laughs)
0: Yeah, I remember that was a Doctor Who series, wasn't it? (laughs) The
1: flavor of the liquor, (laughs) triumph (laughs) of the liquids (laughs) inside. Day Um,
0: day day of the liquids.
1: So, as a type of drink, like we've said, it's supposed to be medicinal. um, The julep, as a broad category, one of the first mentions of the mint julep comes from a doctor, um, a doctor's memoirs in the late 18th century, like 1794-ish, I Mm -hmm. think, uh, where the doctor prescribed a mint julep as, um, to a woman f- who was suffering from a
0: stomach. Let me, hold on, let me guess. She was suffering from, uh, hysteria and, uh, fainting vapors. I
1: think it was an upset stomach.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Stomach with, like, an E on the end.
0: Yeah, oh, right.
1: Um, <laughs> juleps can also be prepared with, uh, brandy, rum, or gin. Basically, a mojito is a julep that's made with gin instead of Right. this. But, um... After the Civil War, those became less common and less favorable because bourbon was cheaper. You mm-hmm. don't have to import it. Um, bourbon, especially Kentuckian, is preferable. Podcast favorite Kid Rock actually makes his own bourbon now.
0: Does he? Oh, yeah. yeah, this uh, artisan bourbon is a thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whatever. I like bourbon. You like scotch. That's one of our many disagreements. Uh,
1: it. Well, I mean, I'm saying including if your I had
0: violent racism, which yeah, I, I don't. Well, I mean, why that's do you, why you keep bringing that. these things about hating?
1: Um, juleps are also were traditionally served at breakfast for Southern planters in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Instead of like coffee, you have your morning. Julep. Your people, um, your
0: horrible racist people.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not from Virginia. You're gonna fool me. I'm from North girl. I am a proud North Carolinian. Okay, my my granddaddy and his granddaddy and his. You know, while whatever. my people
0: also are uh, many generations North Carolinian, I in fact was born in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Up in, up in, in fact, does, Derby country. I was born in Lexington.
1: Does that mean you can't run for president now? <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right, that is exactly right. I was born in uh, Kentucky County, Kenya.
1: <laughs> um, so, also, speaking of the Derby, mm-hmm. they are the official cocktail of the Kentucky Derby. Hey, let me ask you this. You've been yeah. to
0: England, right? Because I haven't. What's up with saying the word Derby? What do you mean? The word Derby, they say Derby.
1: Oh, they do?
0: Yeah. What the shit is that shit? Uh, t- t- accent. I don't, I don't know. I don't it's know. like saying Clark instead of clerk. It's they, the same. Do sort they of do thing. that too? Yeah, they do. No,
1: they don't. Yes, they do. All right. Well, I'll add that to my show notes notes yeah. too. Yeah,
0: and like saying Lori instead of truck. Anyhow, so it's the official beverage of the Kentucky Derby.
1: So the Kentucky Derby started serving this beverage in 1875. It became the official Derby cocktail Mm -hmm. in 1938 when it was sold by the cup. When it was promoted
0: to the rank of lieutenant.
1: Yes, when it was sold by the cup for 75 cents each. So on average in today's world, the Kentucky Derby serves over 120,000 juleps during the two-day period of the Derby. Mm -hmm.
0: Which is a long period for a race that lasts a minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You realize, like, the Kentucky Derby is just crazy girls gone wild country now. What do you mean? Like, it's all just college kids getting loaded and pulling their shirts off in the in the little, the little infield or whatever it is. Is it called an infield?
1: I don't know. The track? I
0: don't
1: know. It's because I guess the track would be the actual, like, but.
0: You, we're, we're, you realize we're coming off as kind of redneck here, because all I can think of is, is the, uh, at the at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're like, coming you know, te- off as red. Because the, the, well, you know, my I've told you the story about my grandmother and like her my not my grandmother, my aunt and her greatest uh, teenage memory is of getting drunk at like 14 in the back of a flatbed truck on the infield at Charlotte Motor Speedway during oh. an Allman Brothers show.
1: Oh, good god.
0: Isn't that just like the greatest Oh, by the way, she was wearing uh, like d- denim cutoffs and like a bikini top. In my brain, that's what my, that's what she was wearing. Because yeah. you know, again, nineteen seventy four or something. Alban Brothers. She
1: had a certain Dirty Mary aesthetic <laughs> going right. on.
0: Right, exactly. A denim, a denim bikini with like an American flag patch right on the on nipple. On the boob, yeah. Right. All right. <sighs> well, thank you for. How do you like the uh, the mint julep? Um,
1: I like our second round with the simple syrup. I the first round we made, I used um sugar. Just like granulated sugar. Mm-hmm. And I did not, um, it does not absorb as well. Right. So. I
0: think you have to really muddle it with some crushed ice or something to really get it. Uh, but simple syrup makes it. So if you are a julep uh, novice and are making some this week for Derby Day, I suggest uh, simple syrup. Simple syrup is a powerful tool for a lot of cocktails. It really is. Yeah. Even just a little bit makes a. It's almost as though a spoonful of sugar Uh will help make something that is otherwise unpalatable, Mm -hmm. but that you want to have inside you, Mm -hmm. go into you more easily.
1: Uh, Yeah, like coffee.
0: There should be a song about this. There should. All right. Mm. You want to talk about our movies? Yeah, sure. So Kate and I are making a tour of the movies that, at some point in our lives... Okay. Blah, blah, bling, blue, blah. Is it still thinging?
1: Still thingin'
0: a thing. <sighs> Kate and I are watching movies that at some point in our lives were number one at the box office for at least one week, and usually only one week, mm-hmm. during the course of our lives that may otherwise have been forgotten. You know, by the way, this is, after we started doing this, I realized this was a feature, sort of, at the Dissolve, the, uh, the web magazine Founded by a lot of those ex-AV club guys They have a feature that's like Forgotten popular culture phenomenon So it's it's sort of similar Oh so. okay By way of saying uh, don't listen to our show <sighs> So what did we watch this week Movie wise Kate
1: <laughs> We watched uh, 1988's Red Heat Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi And what was it 1991
0: 90 or 91? I, uh, 91 I I think it was 90 slash
1: 90 slash 91's Oscar, starring Sylvester Stallone Um and um, Marissa Tomei, and a bunch of other character actors. Right.
0: So, hey, tell us about Red Heat.
1: Red Heat. <laughs>
0: um, which, not, which, despite the title, is not something that you would see on Showtime late at night, although now it's probably the only time that you would see it.
1: Um. So, Red Heat is a movie from 1988, like we just said, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi. And, it sounds um, like an
0: analgesic cream.
1: It does, a little bit. Also, a very young la- Lawrence Fishburne, who is mm-hmm. still going by Larry. Larry,
0: Um, He's not that young. This is, uh, you know, more than 10 years after he was in Apocalypse Now. You're right,
1: yeah. Um, Also
0: billed as Larry.
1: Yep. At the beginning of the movie, uh, Arnold... Okay, so Arnold plays a Russian policeman who's working to bring down a uh, kingpin from Georgia, as in the country, not the state. Um, He stages an ambush at this, like, spa, Turkish spa bathhouse thing. Mm. Um, so you know, if you N- ever wanted Unity
0: s- compound,
1: yeah. So if you ever wanted to see a lot of Arnold ass as well as stranger ass and boobs, this is where you would need to go because that's where the movie starts with him naked and there's like a snow fight. Well, we'll get to the snow fight. He stages his ambush to set up the kingpin. Um, it of course it goes wrong and the kingpin uh, Villy. Rostavilli. They always say it very Russian so Well they start understand. off calling
0: him Rostov
1: He escapes uh, and flees to the US In the process of this bungled operation He also kills Arnold's partner And I'm assuming that's the friend Because that's how these movies go Right. And so uh, that that happens After the
0: naked wrestling
1: After some naked wrestling in the snow uh, Arnold goes to Chicago uh, To pursue Rostov Or Rostovili, whatever his name is Rastafari mm. And uh, joins the chicago police department who has simultaneously been investigating him in his u.s dealings and racketeerings and whatever
0: something like that yeah
1: uh well, no, he
0: was investigating in it from a different end of this black nationalist oh, oh, street right, right, gang right. that was dealing drugs that it just so happens these two are working yeah there's a in common cahoots.
1: yeah something there so that's where he meets jim belushi who's playing this like uh Hardened, you know, I don't obey the rules kind of detective. He's got a problem
0: with authority.
1: Who also conveniently loses his partner in a horrible shoot-up. So Arnold and Jim Belushi join forces, and they have to bring down the drug lord together. Uh, Josh, what did you think of this movie, aside from the obvious perk of Arnold ass in the snow?
0: Well, I think it's, you know, it's it's a Walter Hill movie. You know, he's not an incompetent filmmaker. And has made good things before. I think in this case, he was probably trying to recapture the 48 Hours vibe. But the problem being that while Arnold can carry a movie, he's not necessarily funny in and of his own, or at least wasn't at this point in his career. And I don't think Jim Belushi is funny enough to bounce off of him in the way that uh, Eddie Murphy was funny enough to make Nick Nolte much funnier in 48 Hours. I would agree with that. So there's that problem. Uh, other than that, it's a pretty standard action movie, but it also has a really weird '80s Glasnost message. Of there are a lot of scenes in which American cops express envy that Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't have to live up to our constitutional protections of individuals' <laughs> freedoms in the hands of a hands of the state, which sort of strikes me as odd, given that we were just about to win the Cold War over our. Superiority on these values like human Freedom and such also
1: the casting of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Russian
0: well Yeah that's that's weird Um, But you know that's happened all the time I mean You have Germans play anybody who's not American Ends up playing whatever the evil Country of the day is
1: yeah All of Europe really the
0: thing that struck me That is most weird and creepy About this movie was on the Russian end the drug dealers Are like these Georgian ethnic Minority from Georgia On the American end The drug dealing villains are this sort of black nationalist vaguely nation of Islam clone group that are working in cahoots and Jim Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger bond over their desire to throw civil liberties out the window and treat these drug dealing minorities in the way that they ought to be treated. Um, There's a, a, a scene in which, Jim Belushi says, you know, if, if your country's such a great socialist paradise, well, why do you have a drug problem? And Arnold says, I wish we could deal with them the way that the Chinese dealt with them. Just line them up in town square and shoot them all. And Jim Belushi says, but the politicians would never let us do that here. And Arnold says, we'd shoot the politicians first. It's like very creepily authoritarian in a way that I think at the time people sort of just accepted because we had all bought into the drug war as being the new and I realize this is like crazy conspiracy talk, but you can follow a sort of direct link, rhetorical link between the big enemy of America being Soviet communism to, in the 80s, we tried on the drugs as like the big enemy of America, mm-hmm. and that was sort of our justification for the expansion of weird police power and the restriction of civil liberties. Yeah. And then we had terrorism. So now we have Al-Qaeda. So we don't, you know, we don't talk about the drug war anymore. And it's sort of just the weird, I think when we look at, something like 24 in 30 years, we'll see how nakedly weird the rhetorical arguments were. Just like watching Red Heat is really weird to hear Arnold and Jim Belushi essentially espouse authoritarian government to defeat the drug war.
1: Well, and like you just said, defeat, not defeated, but uh, marginalized subcultures within...
0: Unlawful businesses have tended to be embraced by... Traditionally oppressed groups
1: in, I didn't in most yeah societies.
0: So like You know Italian Americans Becoming mobsters And running rum In uh, the Great Depression Or all uh, those
1: mugger rapists
0: Right It's Illegal economies Are ways for Marginalized groups To become wealthy Outside of the system Right So uh, That's sort of a standard thing.
1: Um, you know what is funny? What? How all of the credits in this movie had all of their R's
0: backwards. Yeah, that's how you know it's in Russia because they yeah. got backwards R's over there. That's how backwards they are, man. They're like Toys R Us. It's like a Toys R Us country where all their R's are backward.
1: <laughs> um, Arnold ass? Uh, yeah, he's got a butt. Oh, oh right. Yeah, there was one line where he's like talking to Jim Belushi in the car and he's like, um, Jim's something about how like the police are being restricted in some way and he goes... Your, <laughs> I do not understand this country. Your crime is organized, but your police are not. <laughs> Ooh, he laid a burn down. Oh,
0: my. Yeah, so, and then a pretty standard, Even and, like, even, you know, usually when bad movies are shot in Chicago, I have a little bit of interest because I lived there for so long and I like to see things, but this one doesn't really even take that much use of Chicago. There's a sort of de rigueur, Lower wacker car chase, which every fucking movie that takes place in Chicago does a stupid lower wacker car chase. But other than that, it's like yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, train hits a bus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. That escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Train hits a train versus bus.
1: Yeah.
0: And it, it's kind of a tie because the guy yeah, the guy who survives.
1: Who wins, train yeah. or
0: bus? Okay, so my movie was nineteen ninety or 91's Oscar. I could go look it up, but I don't care. It's uh, it, a. <laughs> Homage by John Landis to the sort of screwball farces of the 1930s. It stars Sylvester Stallone as a mobster trying to go straight, and it takes place over the course of a morning on the day that he is set to go straight, run his, turn his business legitimate in the hands of some bankers, at the same time as his daughter, played by Marissa Tomei, is seeking a husband, and his accountant announces that he is engaged to wed a woman who claims to be his daughter but is not? He's also trying to get fitted for some suits and take some elocution lessons, all of which contribute to the farcical goings on in and around his home on the day that he is trying to go straight. Kate,
1: I was just gonna say, it's not so much that she wants a husband that she just wants to leave her house, wants
0: to get out of, and the so house.
1: she sees right. pregnancy, a fake uh, a pregnancy right. scare, and oh, right. getting married I to, I as that. a way to get out of the house, which is kind of sad
0: itself yeah I there are a know. lot of really capable character actors a lot of whom have a feel for the material people like uh, peter regert who you know i'm a big fan of yeah, he was wonderful and Chaz palminteri who does i think a capable job and marissa tomei who does a wonderful job and who really i think has within her and had internalized the spirit of sort of 30s comedy uh, gangster mall types
1: yeah she was a really cute mix between that and like an ingenue that was also like a Mafia brat, you
0: know. But the movie just completely fails and falls apart at the level of pacing and script and uh, its main character at the middle. I think there's a couple of problems that are basically boiled down to, A, uh, farce is really difficult. Hmm. A farce is basically a suspense movie or a suspense story played for laughs where every scene sort of ratchets up the tension and increases the stakes, and it's a, a very delicate clockwork machine where if the pace flags or if the movie sort of goes down a weird cul-de-sac, it's hard to recover from because the, the humor is based so much on the stakes getting raised and the tension increasing and the tension increasing such that when, you know, the wacky mishaps and misunderstandings and mistaken identities happen, that it releases the tension that has been building up.
1: I never thought about it like that, like as a suspense that's funny.
0: Yeah, but it, I mean, they movie. really are yeah. the same sort of structure. Yeah. Um, and that's why they also take place. You know, they tend to hew to the Aristotelian unities of being in one place and happening over the course of one day so that it makes the tension feel more real. You're, you're living it with the person that yeah, you're Yeah,
1: They're watching. largely, it's a very theatrical. Right. Genre. And uh,
0: this is sort of adapted from a point, which is great. However, however, <laughs> however, the problem with this movie is it bites off a lot. I mean, it has five or six. Different subplots feeding into the farce, which is great if you can pull it off because all of those sort of give more comic opportunities for misunderstandings and mishaps, but it makes it ever more difficult to keep the pace consistent when you're changing rails from plot to plot to plot. And it doesn't help also that they sort of take a few little detours that don't actually go anywhere, that are cute, I guess, sort of in and of themselves... But they're more like character-driven comedy bits rather than sort of driven by the structure. So you've got that. Yeah. And then you've got the fact that they're doing a very deliberately crafted version of those movies from the 30s and 40s. So it's not just that it's a farce. It's, you know, the shots are framed like movies from the 30s where you have people standing in a very sort of stagey setting. And a lot of the line reads are very... Deliberately like movies from those age, we discussed. Peter Riegert, I think, at one point says, "Why I oughta?" He does, Um, and some of that really works, but that's it adds an extra layer of something that you're putting on top of that. Especially when you're not doing a parody, you're just trying to reconstruct a movie that might have, I guess, been made at that time. Yeah. So it bit off a lot instead of and didn't didn't really sort of handle the machinery of it that well. So there's that problem. Yeah. Then there's the bigger problem of Sylvester Stallone at the middle. Yeah. Where he's not Spencer Tracy. He's not Cary Grant. And if you're going to play a farce like this, it has to be the sort of... He's
1: not a very comedic actor to begin with. He can
0: be. And I've seen interviews with him. He's a very funny and affable guy. But he's not this sort of character where... You know, the idea of it being a regular guy. Well, it's very much, again, like a suspense movie where if it was a Hitchcock movie, it's the regular guy gradually pressed into more and more unusual circumstances and having to do things he never thought he would have to do. In a farce, it's a regular guy who, through some minor venality or something that he wants to achieve, makes one mistake that then compounds and compounds and compounds and becomes funnier and funnier as he has to tell more lies or do ever more... uh, Unconventional or weird so things to further the goal. Maybe
1: like a Ben Stiller and meet the parents, right? Like a, like yeah. that,
0: or um, you know, I mentioned while we were watching it, uh, Arrested Development, yeah, or Frasier. Like you have to have somebody like Jason Bateman does a really good job on Arrested Development of being that person at the center of it who sort of has a slow burn I've as made things a terrible go mistake. right, <laughs> as things go on around him. But is who we can relate to in general, or Steve Martin. I've said is you know, that's why they picked him to replace Spencer Tracy in the Father of the Bride remakes, which is he has that quality of sort of being put upon but being relatable, but then you know he could become unhinged if you push him too far. Uh, And I think Sylvester Stallone, for all his qualities, you know, he is a big, muscly dude uh, who is not necessarily a relatable everyman Mm -hmm. who we could sympathize with his struggles. And I think In a farce, especially when he's been asked to carry these five or six subplots that are all hinged on his ability to sort of make decisions that lead to comic outcomes, it just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, and he's not... If you're supposed to be likable, they, they, he's, a, he's a mobster to start with who's right. trying to reform Then he's been bad. And that's the other thing. Bad. And if I were to cast um, Sylvester Stallone as a mobster, I would cast him as a goon, not a, the dawn. Like, not the guy that's at the head right. of everything. Right. And then he
0: could sort of really sort of go broad
1: and, yeah, and yuck it
0: up. Yuck it up. Right. And instead of being the sort of relatable guy at the middle. I mean, you could do a farce, like I said earlier, you could do a, a Clouseau style farce where he's a sort of Dumb gangster Who doesn't know How he's achieved things But again That requires the finesse Of a Peter Sellers At the center and You know what's funny What?
1: Steve Martin played Peter Sellers' role In the remake Yeah I think there's a reason <laughs> They're not
0: very good No I don't think But um, but there's a reason It's the same sort of
1: Pink Panther 2 I believe Gave us the Beyonce single Check up on it Which is wonderful
0: I didn't, I didn't see that so one So
1: there's that um, I didn't see the movie I was just saying
0: Have you seen A shot in the dark? No Okay, so that is my favorite movie farce, outside of, like, Rules of the Game, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, or Arshnik and Old Lace, which is really good. Oh, that's it. wonderful. Um, but the 45 minutes of it that are funny are some of the funniest stuff that you've ever seen. That
1: movie, yeah.
0: Um, a lot of it is not funny at all. Um, but the parts that are funny are insanely funny.
1: I mean, and I really wanted to like this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there were parts of it that I would have laughed at, but they went the bits went on a little bit too long, like... um. Chaz Palmentary and Peter Riegert's characters keep continuously, it's like a running joke that they have more guns. Like Mm -hmm. they're supposed to have surrendered all their gats and their knives and their iron knuckles and their brass knuckles and stuff. And um, it keeps coming up to the point where they think that the Don, I'm calling him the Don, Sylvester Stallone, is threatened so they'll pull out another gun or like, you know, pull out some brass knuckles. And he's like, Whoa, what are you doing? I told you to give that up. And like, that's funny, but there's one particular scene where he tells Chaz Palmentary, like, all right, I want everything. I want everything right now, mm-hmm. and it's like five minutes long. Well, it's not that it feels and,
0: feels, and I understand what they were going for. The idea is, oh, they'll, they'll keep laughing, and they won't believe there's another one, and we'll tease the tension out like as long as we can. Like he pulls out like a
1: knife, and the problem is gun. like it doesn't
0: right. It just doesn't ever land, and and again, like with farce, you have to have, you know, people have to be primed to laugh from that, and the problem is just when the pacing is off people aren't primed to laugh at yeah. all. Like, um, another good example. Like, A Fish Called Wanda is a really good example. Yes. With John... John Cleese is the sort of quintessential... He's a relatable English upper-middle-class guy who can become completely unhinged by his surroundings.
1: Yeah, who all of a sudden starts wanting to cheat on his wife and, right. like, is becoming...
0: Yeah. Um, and that's, that's... that. I mean, that's, again, a great film farce. Um, but this movie was not that. So... Oh, also great Elmer Bernstein score which is sort of a callback to his work on Trading Places. In Trading Places, he took sort of uh, themes from the opera The Marriage of Figaro and applied it to the entire movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, also a John Landis movie. In this Mm -hmm. one, he took themes and leitmotifs from Uh, Rossini's Barbara Seville And applied it to the whole movie I gotta cut all this shit out Nobody wants to hear me talk about opera
1: I'm making jokes Did you not hear my Custody battle of Figaro joke? I thought that was hilarious That was
0: fucking hilarious I'm great (laughs) The palimony case of Because he was gay I don't
1: know (laughs) The witch trial of Figaro In which (laughs) Figaro gets thrown into a lake
0: (laughs) The the patent trolling suit of Figaro (laughs) Hey, you wanna go make some drinks?
1: Let's do that thing All right We're back. Hello.
0: What are we doing now?
1: Uh, you wanted to explain us to me?
0: I guess. You didn't want to talk about Paw Patrol since it came back this week? Oh, gosh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I didn't like this week's episode. You don't like uh, Paw Patrol, striking out, looking for love? It
1: just read as a little, <laughs> just too, too sitcom to me. I mean, like, I like the idea of it. I don't want it to continue in this format.
0: Right. I don't know.
1: Like, what did you think?
0: I think it's a tried and true sitcom plot to have the father date the hot teacher.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, we should summarize for the listeners. It, basically,
0: Papa Troll decided to get back on the market. Susie Troll has a cute new teacher. Uh, he's going to date her.
1: Yeah, and, and he runs... Actually, I thought the sequence in the grocery store was really cute. Um,
0: where pa- they were both sort of very spazzy. And
1: yeah, Papa Troll like, is doing his shopping in the grocery store, and he sees, um... She's a gremlin. Gretel Gremlin? Is that her name? I didn't name her. Um, Miss Gremlin, Mm -hmm. which is funny, because she is a gremlin, and that's her last name. It seems a little derived.
0: Well, it's kind of racially essentialist. Right,
1: yeah, but I mean, and again, whatever.
0: Well, you know, there's white people named white, so. Yeah,
1: so uh, Paw Patrol is in the grocery store, and he sees her down the aisle, and he's going to hide because he's embarrassed because he's still wearing his troll authority outfit, and so then he accidentally bumps. He has some
0: class issues.
1: Yeah, so then he actually stumbles into... A display of uh, bananas,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they just go flying everywhere, which only draws more attention to him. So he know she notices him anyway. And then, and then she then,
0: slips on the banana peel, so it's wacky. They've both sort of it's been a
1: nice meet cute. And right. then he he has he works up the nerve to ask her out on a date. Yep.
0: Well, we'll see how it goes. I think people are still very frustrated by the uh, Suzac breakup. Uh, and they still have not cast a new guy, although there's some weird new looking classmates Susie's had. and I yeah. think they may be trying some people out, so I don't know.
1: Did you notice how when she was like writing in her diary in her bedroom that her photo of Zach Troll, like they didn't really like Zach it was, like work. I mean sorry Zach work was like a little blurred. so like, you know, it's like how they shoot around like pregnant actresses. It was really yeah. weird.
0: it was yeah, it was <laughs> very much uh, Susie Troll doing a Carrie Washington on scandal except she situation.
1: was she wasn't pregnant I mean she's right. she's well the actress is older I mean she's not Susie trolls actual age but that's just how Hollywood works
0: so okay what's in us magazine this week <laughs> sorry got I, some... I have no connection to earth except for uh, except Me? for uh, us magazine and you you are my tethers my lifeline I am I am Sandra Bullock and could float off into space at any moment. Without you and us, magazine to sort
1: through all these on these cat pictures on my phone mm-hmm. here. Okay, so the um, main story this week is about Prince George, Mm-hmm. as in little royal baby Prince George. Right. Um, and it's kind of a fluff piece. It's about like his his toys and his outfits and like how the royals are raising him mm. and his nannies and
0: striking green eyes.
1: I-, I wasn't very interested in that. I mean, they just took a you know the royals just took a tour, not the royals. Prince William and Princess Kate, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, took a royal tour to New Zealand. So the baby came with them, and there was a lot of press there. Apparently, the royal family dropped eighty thousand dollars on her wardrobe <laughs> you know, they alone. they should try them
0: out? Like with the royal babies, they should try them out first. Like when you're one, mm-hmm. like instead of just waiting for your dad to die, right? Instead, they should make it like, like you turn one, you get to be king of Barbados. And then, like, Uh at 10, you're king of Canada, Uh right? And then, like, 15, you're king of Australia. And then, like, eventually, you know, like, you grow into it. It's like a training wheels for being king type of thing, (laughs) you know? All right. Instead of, like, because I think it's unfair to just, you know, throw all that king shit at you. And he doesn't even know if he's ever going to be king. That's the thing. The
1: way they're going now, he's going to be 80 before his father dies. Because, I mean, how old is Prince Charles at this point? Uh,
0: He's old. Whatever. I'm just saying, you know, king is a hard job. Like I said, most of them get, you know, beheaded. Not that, you know, not that they don't deserve it. I mean, we fought a fucking war to make sure that happens. As I understand it, the defining principle of the existence of the United States is we should kill that baby. uh,
1: (laughs) I thought it was we don't want to pay our taxes. let's
0: kill the baby. It's all about baby killing.
1: (laughs) It's like, fuck your tea. I'm going to throw it in the water. I don't want to pay my taxes, George.
0: (laughs) Kill the baby. Okay, so uh, do we have yet another week here with Lindsay Lohan talking shit to Oprah? Because we talked about this last week, right?
1: No, we didn't. But this is the one that you saw when we were in Carburitos, Ah. and
0: you... Um I don't I feel bad for her.
1: Yeah, I do too. Like um, I recognize,
0: you know, she's a crazy person and whatever, but clearly sick person, using a lot of drugs, had a, a really, you know, as childhoods go, uh the uh, the worst dad outside of dads who rape and beat you.
1: Uh, uh Joe Jackson's worse, I would say.
0: I would say that uh, what Michael, though, Michael. Yeah, is on the Joe Jackson spectrum. Oh,
1: he is. He yeah. has Jackson
0: spectrum disorder.
1: The problem with Lindsay, as opposed to, not that they're really comparable, but Michael, his mother was very loving and not as problematic Lindsay's got two fucked up parents so that doesn't help. Uh, the, the story that we're referring to here is that Lindsay apparently, well and the yeah, like, We don't last... need to
0: repeat it, but apparently she went on Oprah and talked to a bunch of crap about how horrible she her life a, is. She had like not
1: a mini series right. but she had like a couple of episode arc on on the Oprah Winfrey network network about her life and, like, her recovery and stuff, and in the very last seconds of the last episode, she revealed that she'd had a miscarriage, and that's really all there's she said. It's sad. Like, there's no, you know... Like, I mean, it's very sad. It's very personal. I don't know why it would be on... Well, I mean, yeah. I know why it would be on the uh, cover of a but literally no one knows anything. She's kind of dropped it. You
0: know, I used to be one of these people who was all, like, you know, you you wanted to be famous you know, get get used to it, but I think...
1: I feel that way less about child stars. Well, I feel
0: that way less about all of them in, like, the last 10 or 15 years, where it's become just this bizarre fixation on the mundane details of people's lives, where if any of us, irrespective of being a celebrity, had that sort of bizarre fixation on these mundane details of our lives... you know, we would consider it a criminal invasion of our space.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Like, there's a movement among celebrities right now to ban pictures of their kids. And I'm not,
0: you know, again, I'm the last person to stand up for people who wanted to be famous, they wanted to be superstars, and then turn around and bitch and moan that the pictures that were in the newspaper were not at the right angle. I understand that, but, like, seriously, just... Because I don't think... I mean, I could be wrong. Do people actually want to know about Lindsay Lohan's miscarriage? Or is it just some sort of weird uh, self-sustaining ecosystem of shit that a certain number of, like, 20-somethings at BuzzFeed... And uh, hairdressers talk about, and the rest of everybody like they could just as well have been talking about sports. But since it was in us, they're talking about that. Um, it's like tofu.
1: I it's, don't think it's that far. I think if anything, it's more of a wow. <sighs> my life is so much better because this fame. You know, like it's it's not living vicariously through like the. Schadenfreude. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it'd be like the yeah. Basically, where you're like, well, hmm, 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 And it's a way to kind of, it's escapist, but at the same time, it's also it's just wish fulfillment. It it. But like it's both. a level
0: of such minutia that it wasn't when I was a kid. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's just like the level of satisfaction taken in like, look at her, she's wearing shitty flip-flops. It's like, really? Like, yeah. you care about the... The fucking, you know, her jeans have a stain on them and you're going to do an eight page spread or fucking, you know, uh, TMZ running pictures of Anne Hathaway's cooter.
1: It's like, what the fuck? You know? Well, I think part of that also comes from the hyper social media internet age yeah, that we now find ourselves internet. in. Yeah. You know, there's always gotta be something new. Like, if I log on to the internet and I find one more thing, it's like this cover of this song is the most breathtaking, ultimate. And yet, you're the one who sits there for hours on end
0: and scours Tumblr and Buzzfeed. Tumblr, you're like not, their target audience. Yeah.
1: Buzzfeed, I. Admit. All, you
0: realize all the content on Tumblr comes from Buzzfeed.
1: No, it doesn't. Hey. Tumblr is more about your personal interests. Buzzfeed is just a giant Facebook forward, it's a giant email engine machine destroying
0: newspapers and journalism.
1: Well, you know, you shouldn't have signed that pact with Satan. Yeah, I know. Oh. You know
0: believe me, I kick myself every day.
1: Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, all right. So the other stories, um, apparently, but there again, is like a Glee, feud. I don't care.
0: Okay, for A, I don't care about Glee. Yeah. It's a terrible show. Okay. B, I don't care about these two people who, let's be honest, in 10 years, they're not going to be anything. Okay. They're going to be normal human beings who are trying to live their lives. I think. And the only thing that they're, they're, they're celebrated about now is they're having some sort of shitty catfight on a show that's in its last two or three seasons and that they can fill two column inches on the cover of Us magazine and be read in a fucking dentist's office and then shat out of the cloaca of our consciousness <laughs> soon after. Okay, <laughs> and then Katy Perry wearing a really cute dress.
1: Yeah, well, she, uh, you know, she's rebounded from her divorce with Russell Brand, and then now she's rebounded from her romance with John Mayer. Uh, and um, uh, homegirl. That girl, was a poor choice. Homegirl has bad taste. I'm just gonna. I like Russell Brand. Uh, yeah, apparently he wanted to have children, and she was not ready to settle down.
0: But that's a legitimate reason people break
1: up. Yeah, but you think that they would There's have no discussed? Villain there. No, 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 no. This is what pisses me off is when people don't discuss this type of shit. With their fiance beforehand. Like, why wouldn't you? Let's say, like, you're Jewish and I'm Christian. Why wouldn't we yeah. want to discuss? How
0: old are they? I mean, he's old, but I, how old is she? I don't know. He's like 10 years older than she is. Isn't Probably,
1: he? but my point is, like, why wouldn't you discuss kids and, like, religion yeah, and stuff before? that? Maybe they change their and mind. Finances...
0: Maybe they also change their mind. People change their minds. You're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to fall out of love with people. That's life. You're allowed to. I agree. But if was something like that where
1: it's like, oh, shit, we never talked about whether we wanted to have kids and we're supposed to be together for the rest of our days. So they never
0: talked about it? You're that's, sure they never talked about it?
1: I'm not sure, okay. but that's why apparently they broke up.
0: Maybe they both were like eh, and, but let's get married anyway because we love each other a lot and our pieces parts are all hot for each other.
1: Then why would you get married? Well,
0: that's the thing. Why would you, Why that's the thing. Why would you assume this legal framework onto your emotional relationship, which is by its very nature volatile and subject to change? Well, yeah, that's the problem. Ugh, speaking, as, speaking as a married man.
1: Speaking as uh, <laughs> someone who's kind of anti-marriage, and I, can, I don't know if I'm... I guess, does that make me radical? I don't know. I don't know. A friend of mine got married recently, and I saw on Facebook that she changed her name to his last name, and that pissed me off, so.
0: So that's Us Magazine. Yes,
1: sorry, that's Us Magazine. Hey, uh, if you like
0: the show, we're usually funnier than this, but if you like the show, you should give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can see us on Twitter at at PNTCast. If you have the Faces book, we're Prefer Not To. You can search for us. We're pntcast.wordpress.com on the internet, and we are pntcast.tumblr.com on the Tumblr.
1: <laughs> is that French? Is that the French version of Tumblr? The
0: French version of Tumblr is le Tumblr. It's <laughs> Um So you want to do our letter? So we have no letters to the editor. I know, haud your shock. We have no letters to the editor again this week, and in keeping with previous weeks, I have a letter to a different editor to read in lieu of one. Second. By the way, if you enjoy this feature, don't let that Keep you from actually sending us a letter Seriously, if you listen to the show, please write us an iTunes review uh, Or write us a letter Because you know, that's all I do this for It's you know, That's the reason
1: um, Or if you have a favorite drink that you would like us to try Forward it to us And uh, we'll make it happen Also that Because I'm always looking for inspiration
0: Alright So this is a letter from the Black Hills Pioneer In the Black Hills of South Dakota have you been to the Black Hills of South Dakota?
1: I have been to Montana. I have not been to South Dakota. I know my southern like doing, just came out. No, right? you're
0: just doing a thing.
1: I think I was thinking about Deadwood, and for some reason, I was thinking about yeah, the character. Deadwood is
0: in the Black Hills. Yeah,
1: I was thinking the the one that has like a really ridiculously southern accent, even though that's not the same the same thing as being mm. out west. Sorry, I. No, that's
0: was... okay. I spent one of the windiest camping nights of my life in the Badlands. Uh, It was uh, 30 miles an hour or so And we're uh, trying to put up our tent In the Badlands And it was crazy This was when we were driving across the country So that's my main memory of the Black Hills of South Dakota Badlands are just outside the Black Hills
1: So are the hills black there?
0: No Oh. Uh, But they do have bison and gold
1: Do love bison
0: Uh, Okay so this is a letter from the Black Hills pioneer Uh, It is the headline uh, There is no headline I guess. so. Many years ago, William Shakespeare wrote, There is something rotten in the state of Denmark. I won't pretend that I know much about Mr. Shakespeare, and I know even less about the state of Denmark several hundred years ago, but I know something about the state of South Dakota, having lived here all my life and to date, my forebears before me and several generations. Belforge is located in the state of South Dakota, and I feel that the famous writer's words can aptly be applied to the state of something in Belfort at this time. The secretive cabal in the city government, which has been tyrannizing our Chamber of Commerce, has now literally moved it onto the streets. The Chamber, one of the oldest and most vital civic organizations in our city, has been systematically abused and humiliated, and more recently was divested of one of its major functions, namely the operation of the City Visitors Center. In addition, stringent restrictions were to be imposed in regard to parking, operating space, and personal movement within the tiny area left for them to occupy, making it impossible for chamber personnel to function. All this within a building which was built specifically for chamber of commerce use. There are toxic elements operating within the various city departments to the detriment of us all. What's next, and who knows? At one public meeting, a city representative was asked a number of pertinent questions as to why these actions were needed. The only response was, you're asking the wrong questions. It seems prudent we should all maintain a watchful eye over our shoulders at all times. You could be next. Melvin Marusek of Belfort. There is some serious, creepy shit going on in Belfort, South So this, Dakota.
1: Person, this person is angry because they the can't work?
0: The town moved the Chamber of Commerce or cut back on their space, and that is apparently
1: uh, that's like the tip Nazi. of the
0: iceberg of dastardly doings.
1: And so that's like Nazi-level fascism, the way he sounds. He
0: is clearly, well, you know what? Uh, you have anything else you wanted to, talk, to about, talk about this week? Because I didn't leave the house at all. Yeah. This whole week. Oh, what's this? What's this iHeartRadio awards shit?
1: <laughs> Our iHeartRadio is an app. Uh-huh.
0: Um, you know, it's made by Clear Channel. That's the one thing that I know. It's all—it's all a big Clear Channel. What is Clear, what Channel, is Clear Channel? You know what Clear Channel is? They own like all the radio stations in the country.
1: Well, that would explain a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, it's so, like a big boondoggle created by Clear Channel to create this bullshit awards show.
1: It's okay. All right. So, iHeartRadio started out as an app that mm-hmm. you could listen to on your phone, mm-hmm. or you could go to the iHeartRadio station out online at work, and- Do you have to heart
0: radio? Do they have some yes, sort of test? God
1: help you if you don't heart radio. On
0: a scale of one to ten, how much do you heart radio?
1: <laughs> Ah, okay, so iHeartRadio is a streaming radio service so that you can listen to your favorite radio station even if you're, like, super far away or if you're at work. And um...
0: Are you now or have you ever been a listener of Pandora?
1: <laughs> and, yeah, so it's – I've never actually gone to it, um, but, like, let's say I could theoretically stream live from, like, my hometown – you know, mm-hmm. top forty or classic rock or oldies. No, you could station. stream from your
0: hometown shitty Clear Channel station, which is exactly like every other Clear Channel station in the world.
1: So that's what iHeartRadio is. I'm as befuddled as you are as to what the hell the award show is. Yeah, I don't know. Either. I'm guessing it's just another award show, like the mm-hmm. People's Choice or whatever. Have
0: you ever noticed that? Uh, uh, and I recognize this is a word that I have been obsessed with for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word lingerie which in previous shows we've discussed, I did not know how to pronounce right. for many years because I only saw it on the sign in Belklaggett in University Mall. Yeah. In which case I thought that the word Bruce pronounced lingerie. Yeah. Right. You realize it's just like the classy French word for laundry. Is like, that what they're lingerie They're the same means? word. It's, it's the same word. Lingerie, lingerie. It's the same word. I no, guarantee you they're I, the same I'm word. I'm just
1: wondering what lingerie, if it is in fact a French word, which it, I'm guessing it yeah. is. I
0: guarantee it's just laundry.
1: If it, if it translates to laundry. That would be interesting. And also, like, one of those things where the ad the ad campaign's just totally fucked with America's consciousness and said, it's sounds classier if you say lingerie. I guarantee
0: that's what it is. It's just laundry. Na- you know, naughty, naughty things. You're naughties. You're unmentionables.
1: I don't understand why they're they're not unmentionables. I mean, it's underwear. Everybody's got them.
0: Not all of us. (laughs) Oh God,
1: that's not healthy. So there was that, and
0: then there was. uh, I was listening to a report. You know, they do this e-cigarette thing, right? Yeah. I'm just going through my notebook now (laughs) because I wrote all this shit down. I'm like, I gotta get this. I gotta talk about this in show. because I never talk to other humans. I'm sorry, listeners. So there was the story on the radio about the e-cigarettes, right? So Mm -hmm. the FDA is uh, looking to regulate e-cigarettes, right? And they talked to a supporter of the regulating of the e-cigarettes.
1: Why do they need to regulate the e-cigarettes? Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. And,
0: and this is irrespective of the arguments around regulating e-cigarettes, which I think, largely, I think this is a, a decent idea, but I think some of the impulses behind it are a little bit questionable, but you yeah. know, it's, it's nicotine. You're putting in your body and it's good that they're regulating it. However,
1: You mean in terms of, like, smoking in public places? No, 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 it's not
0: like the the laws that, like, you can't do it. It's simply the devices that people use will be regulated by the FDA, which I think is acceptable. But you're right, I think some of the impulse comes from the same sort of public morals police that want to crack down on these e-cigarettes despite my, the fact that they just put off water vapor.
1: My child is, is going to get cancer if he right. smokes. And that's what I restaurant. wanted to get
0: that's what I wanted to get it yeah. toward, which is they talked to one of the supporters of the the, the legislation, they said, what well, we really need to crack down on is the marketing and sales of these because we don't know when children are gonna be exposed to these things. And I sort of occurred to me that like when people oppose something, the way that they frame it is by using the word exposed to like Like, it's a flasher. Like, you know, seriously, like, our children are not just, they're not just going to see these e-cigarettes. They're being exposed to them. Like, you're exposed to plutonium.
1: Or you're you're exposed to the natural elements.
0: (laughs) Right, or you're, or a flasher exposed. So, like, I get pissed off at the use of the the phrase exposed to, because it's Um, clearly loaded words.
1: No, it is, and it's very obviously. um,
0: Rhetorical. What do they actually think that that is going to accomplish? Exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with actually convincing someone not to smoke. Smoking is cool. Just like smoking is fire. You're never (laughs) going to convince people that smoking is not fire, and you're never going to convince people smoking is not cool. It's fire. I
1: I get that. Fire is, you put fire in your face, and then your face makes fire. Yes, I understand that, Josh. I'm getting that.
0: Okay. I'm not defending smoking.
1: Did you ever see that episode of House where he actually tells a patient to start smoking?
0: Yeah, hey, House. Whatever.
1: I had to write a paper on that in college. Hey, let me ask you this. So we were yeah. talking about
0: juleps, right? And he said yeah. the defining quality of the julep is that it was a medicinal drink. Yeah. Right? It's okay.
1: a drink that has, it's a method of getting medicine into your body.
0: So by Liquid. your criteria, yes. is purple drank a julep? What? <laughs> purple drank, because it's codeine and hooch. Is it a? Is it is it a is it a, uh, is it a? is it a? Is it a julep? They should call it. They should call it grape julep. <laughs> Fanta julep. Fanta julep.
1: Um, I think you'd have to ask Lil Wayne about that because yeah. he's the one. He didn't more,
0: invent it.
1: Yeah, but he's more familiar with the purple drink than right. I am. Okay,
0: I'm just saying. I think as a codeine delivery system, uh, grape julep. Here's a question. Marketing wise, you're going to go farther with grape julep than you are with purple drag.
1: I don't know about that, but if you're taking a pill, like let's say I'm taking my Zoloft when I go to bed, is the water that I use to swallow said Zoloft as julep?
0: I think you have to muddle it, and I think there has to to be alcohol.
1: And you would have to put like some rose petals in there, some shit. Probably. Probably. All right. All right, so did you
0: enjoy our grape julep? I mean, mint (laughs) mint julep?
1: Yeah, I did, actually. This is the... I've never really enjoyed the mint julep before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think now that I think about it, I read when when I was doing the research that a lot of bars and places like that use like um, commercial julep mix.
0: Yeah, I bet they don't use bourbon either. I bet they'll use bottom shelf, just regular bottom shelf Tennessee whiskey.
1: Yeah. So um, I think actually, kind of doing it myself, it's better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got anything to recommend this week? I do. Oh, okay. What you gonna recommend?
1: Um, I was gonna recommend *The Rape of Europa*.
0: Oh, that was really good. Yeah.
1: So, The Rape of Europa is a documentary from 2006 that is based on a book of the same name by um, Lynn, Lynn somebody, I'll I'll mention it in show notes, Mm -hmm. about the systematic uh, conquest of Europe by the Nazis and their obsession to collect art.
0: Mostly it's about the art hoarding.
1: Art hoarding, art shipping, art destruction, um, like, just... Really, really weird systematic ways that they would just destroy personal galleries and invade museums. And also the efforts of people in Europe um, to hide art from the Nazis once they realized this was going down. There's like a really moving sequence about there's a really moving sequence about workers at the Louvre. Mm-hmm. Packing up the entire, pretty much the entire collection into trucks and shipping it out to French chateaus in the countryside mm-hmm. to make sure that it stayed hidden, including the Mona Lisa. There's a really cute little bit with this. Um, she's a woman now, but she was a little girl during the war, and she says we had the Mona Lisa in our house, and I could just look at it whenever mm-hmm. I wanted. And this is a,
0: this is a documentary on Netflix.
1: You said. Uh, it's on Hulu Plus right now, um, but it's also based on a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read the book, but this was really good. And Hey, you got any Bob Hoskins really movies moving. you want to
0: recommend to see that?
1: Oh, I'd have to think about that. The only one that pops up to he- my mind is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, like, but it's a its very, um, mm-hmm. not a historical movie, but I mean, it was very groundbreaking mm-hmm. in terms of its meshing sure. of animation. and.
0: I would recommend, although I don't think you can get it streaming. I looked earlier uh, the original Dennis Potter BBC Pennies from Heaven. Uh, where he was in the lead role, which I think I've talked—I don't think I've talked about it on the show before—but it is some of the best TV ever made. If you've ever seen the Herbert Ross movie, which is also a very good movie starring Steve Martin, it's the same sort of premise in which there's a uh, sheet sheet music salesman during the Depression, and he sort of goes into these. Flights of Fancy, in which the popular songs of the day are used to express and carry his emotions. And it's a musical, but rather than singing the musicals, the characters all lip-sync and mime along to recordings from the time. Uh, And it originally was a BBC miniseries? Series? You know how they do TV in Britain. Yeah. uh, Starring uh, Bob Hoskins in the lead role. And it is a tour de force and some of the best TV ever made. So if you can find it or even just look at clips on YouTube... Which we can probably link some in the yeah. show notes. I highly recommend it because he is wonderful in it and heartbreaking. And the last scene in it, break your heart, and it's wonderful. So uh, Bob Hoskins, a talented guy who we lost this week. And it's sad. As always, for Kate, I am Josh. We've enjoyed spending time with you.
1: For Josh, I'm Kate, and I just want to say thank you for listening. All right. Catch
0: you around next time. and then your face makes fire. Yes.